Welcome back to another edition of Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. I'm your host, Tim Friedman, along with fellow Clevelander and rock and roll expert, Frank Ost. Frank, how is it going today? Good. It's good to be with you again. Hall of Fame inductees 2009. We talked about the frustration that I believe we both were feeling from what was going on with the inductions and the nominations even. Jeff Beck, who was introduced by Jimmy Page, so that's star power there. And is a terrific guitar player. Little Anthony and the Imperials. Smokey Robinson introduced them. Okay, nice. They're good. There are a lot of other R&B groups that are deserving as well. Absolutely. Metallica, they maybe the first year, I don't even, you had to be recording 25 years prior uh, to get nominated, and I think they were right on that 25-year cusp. Yeah, that would have been one of their first years, yeah. Just way too early. They're good, but Run DMC, we talked about, um, you know, rap artists and this and that. I mean, they belong in, I suppose, if you're going to put Notorious B.I.G. And, and Tupac in. But Run DMC at the time, I'm like, who? What? That was the, I thought, less than stellar four-person class. The 25th Anniversary Rock and Roll Hall of Fame did feature a two-day concert series at Madison Square Garden. And it had Bruce Springsteen, Stevie Wonder, Jeff Beck, Metallica, Aretha, Simon and Garfunkel. So a good two-day concert for Absolutely. Yeah. And at the time, Cleveland, who owns the Rock and Roll Museum... Hall of Fame, we're like, okay, well, that's nice for New York, but they finally came to Cleveland to every two years, you know, have the Rock Hall induction ceremonies here. Right. It's big news from the Rock Hall, Frankie. The 2021 nominees have been announced. Mary J. Blige, Dionne Warwick, The Go-Go's, Iron Maiden, Jay-Z, Foo Fighters, led by Dave Grohl, who's already in with Nirvana, of course. Returning nominees, a lot of females, both uh, first-timers and returning Carol King is already in as part of the non-performer category with her great work with a songwriter, fellow songwriter Jerry Goffin from the 60s. Kate Bush, Devo, Shaka Khan makes a return appearance. LL Cool J, Rage Against the Machine. Tina Turner, who was inducted with her ex-husband Ike quite a few years ago. The New York Dolls and Todd Rundgren. Todd produced the New York Dolls debut album way back in 1973 and again 12 years ago for one of their many comeback albums. Inductees for the new class will be announced in a couple months and the fan voting is now underway. You can do so at rockhall.com. Cleveland is scheduled to host this year's event. Last year, of course, was all virtual. But sometime in the fall, the date has not yet been announced. Spotlight year 1980. Pretty good year of music. It had its fantastic. Um, it had some duds, but it had some great tunes too. Boss Gags came out with Breakdown Dead Ahead. Christopher Cross swept his way through the Grammys. That's right, I remember with that. Sailing and Ride Like the Wind, Never Be the Same. Elton John came back with Little Genie, which sounds a little like Daniel. But I love Little Genie from 21 to 33. We'll talk a little about that album in a little while. KC and the Sunshine Band, Please Don't Go. They weren't singing the dance stuff at the time. KC was working with. You know, Terry Desario and doing some, some some softer stuff. Yes, I'm Ready from, remember that song? Oh, yeah, song? absolutely. Magic, Olivia, that was number one. Billy Joel, you may be right, you know, the straight leg jeans, the thin ties, uh, out with the polyester bell bottoms and in with uh, still rock and roll to me. Billy Joel was right at the beginning of that, wasn't he? In 1980, it brought a whole new thing. Ronald Reagan was in office. Pure Prairie League's top ten hit, Let Me Love You Tonight. Linda Ronstadt, How Do I Make You? She was remaking herself in the new wave uh, genre. As so many were, yeah. So Hurt So Bad, that was still a cover. It hit uh, the top ten, How Do I Make You? Was also a big hit for her, also hit the top ten. She won a Grammy nomination for Best Rock Vocal Performance by a Female from the album Mad Love, and it also produced three songs written by Elvis Costello. 
so you could see where she was going oh, absolutely. in 1980. So remaking herself as she would over and over again in the 80s. She was one of our featured artists in past episodes. You know, we, we talked about how she did her Broadway stuff, Pirates of Penzance, yep. and, and work with Aaron Neville and even some work with Mexican music. Pete Townsend and Rough Boys. And uh, Let My Love Open the Door. We're talking about Pete's voice and how it didn't have the strength to sustain, you know, the more you listen to him. But yeah. the album Empty Glass, Glass was pretty good. Uh, the album itself was great, uh, and he did some good albums. Uh, I don't want to take anything away from him, but I just think that overall the, the records play better with Roger. I'm more of the lead vocal than Pete. Roger had his own thing, the Mick Vicker soundtrack. Soundtrack, yeah. Jefferson Starship Jane, that was their comeback. Marty Ballin and Grace Slick both had left the band, but they picked up Mickey Thomas from Elvin Bishop. Remember he sang Fooled Around and Fell in Love? And uh, that was another great opening of a song, Jane. Yep. And Mickey Thomas just took over that group with that voice of his. Kind of reminded me a little of Steve Perry. You know, just a, a great, strong voice. Uh, definitely in command. Absolutely. The Pretenders, Brass and Pocket from the uh, debut album of theirs. Now, that was a group kind of like the Cars that when they hit, you knew something was up. That oh, was good. What a fantastic album. What a great debut that was. The Clash and Train in Vain. And, you know, off of uh, London Calling, which kind of, uh, if there was a record that I would say kind of uh, blew out the, the doors of disco, that would probably be one of the albums that just kicked it right out the door, and that yeah. was the end of it. My Sharona kind of started it, and yep. The Clash ended it. Ended it, yep. Bob Seger, Against the Wind and Fire Lake, he's our featured artist. We'll talk at length about that album in just a few minutes. Uh, what do you think about Bob Seger, though? You know, overall, as an artist. I love Bob Seger. He's one of my favorite artists. I saw him uh, four times live, uh, and he puts on a great show. And one of the best things about him is his voice. I mean, talk about somebody who's got a great voice. He takes, a, he takes second to, to no one in that category. He's in his 70s now. I think if he'd still perform if he could. I think oh, he's yeah, done absolutely. a couple of uh, uh, final tours, but... He might just say, heck with it, when it's over, I'm going back on the road. One hit wonder time, starting off with Romeo's tune, the number 11 hit from March of 1980, Steve Forbert's. Little Stevie Forbert, what you think? Right. Romeo's tune. What a neat little tune that was, too. It was fun. Catch a little tune featuring Bobby Ogden on the piano, well-known session player in Nashville, and he played with Elvis Presley. In fact, he played on 45 of Elvis's final live performances until his death in 1977. He also okay. played with the Marshall Tucker Band. So sometimes I like to look up where some featured artists had their, their musicians come from. Saxophone on Baker Street, piano on Romeo's Tune. The song was covered by Keith Urban in 2008 as part of his Greatest Hits album, so... It's a good good cover. I like Steve Forbert better. I wish Stevie had done a little more. I was hoping that he would, but he never really did. Yeah, he was one of those uh, artists that was supposed to break big, and uh, although he did have the one hit, we never really heard from him again. Johnny Lee, never heard from him again either, unless you're really into country music. He's one of the biggest stars. He's recorded so many songs. He's charted more than 31 times over a 14-year span in the country music charts. Hmm. And had that song, Looking for Love, the number five hit from the Urban Cowboy soundtrack. Oh, that's right. In he was married at the time to Dallas star Charlene Tilton for a couple years. So Johnny Lee 
and looking for love. Uh, my son used to say, "Mooking for love." There you go. Take a little rhythm, Allie Thompson, the number fifteen hit in the summer. Remember that song by Allie Thompson? His brother Doug. You remember Supertramp? Absolutely. So he's in that. Um, Allie still works as a songwriter. Born in Glasgow, Scotland, also the hometown of Al Stewart and Angus Young, as well as other members of ACDC. Glasgow, hmm. Scotland. Wow. Not so good songs, 1980. We didn't talk a lot about that in 1978, but we will now because, to me, yeah, Diana Ross, Upside Down. Boy, you turned me. These are huge hits, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, it was. Captain and Tennille, do that to me one more time. If those two weren't married, I would think this was this song should be banned. Yeah, absolutely. Lips Incorporated and in Funky Town. Oh, yeah. Couldn't get, couldn't get away from that one. Oh, here comes another album by Air Supply. That's oh, right. Oh, joy. Billy Preston and Sarita, who at the time was married to Stevie Wonder. With you, I'm born again. I'm coming out, which was, I think, like the theme song of many a sorority. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, Olivia, Xanadu, Carly mm. Simon's Jesse. Oh, boy. And not to be outdone, Rupert Holmes came back from Escape, the Pina Colada song from a year earlier with him, him, him. Oh, what are we going to do about him? That was a terrible song. Cool R&B tunes, and you can't have cool without Cool and the Gang. Too Hot and Ladies Nights, good album. Oh, absolutely. Great album, good tunes, great dance stuff. Mm-hmm. Produced by Deodato, we've spoken of earlier, the Brazilian pianist and composer who had the big hit. Also Sprock Zarathustra. That's right, 2001 theme. Yeah. Irene Cara came out with Fame. A couple years later, the Flashdance theme. George Benson, one of my favorite artists of all time, and Gimme the Night. Absolutely. And from The Moments. Remember the group The Moments, Love on a Two-Way Street, the hit from 1970? Um, Out of that group came Ray Goodman and Brown and Special Lady. Jermaine Jackson got going with his solo efforts. Um, Let's Get Serious, which at number nine, it was co-produced and co-written, of course, by Stevie Wonder. He also sang vocals on that. Now, Jermaine Jackson had a minor hit called Daddy's Home. I say minor because I don't remember it being played very much, but it still managed to hit number nine in 1973. Wow. Michael Jackson's Rock With You, Stevie Wonder, and Master Blaster, that whole album was fantastic. Absolutely. One in a Million You, the late Larry Graham, hit number nine. Number one R&B hit, though, the native of Beaumont, Texas. He played bass with Sly and the Family Stone. Oh, that's that Larry Graham, yeah. sure. And the Larry Graham from Graham Central Graham Station. Graham Central Station, absolutely. The song is used in a couple movies, which you may recall, The Clumps and Nutty Professor, too. Mm-hmm. I remember. I Want to Be Your Lover by Prince. Not his first single in the U.S., but it was the first of his release, the uh, first one that was released in the U.K. His uh, claim to fame, if you uh, ever asked Dick Clark uh, before Dick passed away, of course, Dick said, I've done 10,000 music interviews. This was the worst. He really? purposely gave me one-word answers to everything okay. I asked. And dude was just starting out. Yeah, that sounds like Prince, doesn't think it? he'd be a little more humble, but no. The song I Want to Be Your Lover hit number 11 in early 1980. New Wave, All the Rage, The yep. Clash, The Pretenders, Echo and the Buddymans, Simple Minds, Psychedelic Furs, Bow Wow Wow, Split Ends with an E-N-Z spelling. Adam and the Ants, spelled the regular way. Great names of, of bands, though, Split Ends. Absolutely. 
Split Ends, uh, I Got You, that featured Neil Finn, uh, who went on to um, do some other stuff with Crowded House, now is playing with Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac, yeah. So, New Wave was all the rage in 1980. Disco was really then put back into what they now call dance music, back in that category, which was cool. It wasn't just New Wave bands that uh, that signaled the end of disco. We spoke about that in earlier episodes, how groups like Billy, uh, Billy Joel, Boston, Toto, Bruce Springsteen, they were still hitting it big, and they were able to kind of keep disco at bay. But then new wave, new wave groups were coming out, but it wasn't just the English bands, was it? We had That's plenty right. of American bands that were doing their thing in the rock and roll circuit. Absolutely. Bob Seger is one of them, and Tom Petty. And our next category is top albums. Damn the Torpedoes, one of the best albums of the oh, year. Oh, absolutely fantastic. Refugee, Here Comes My Girl, Don't Do Me Like That. So Damn the Torpedoes was recorded at the Sound City Recording Studio in California, that's also seen the likes of Elton John and Nirvana, Neil Young, Fleetwood Mac. Today's artists like Death Cab for Cutie and Fallout Boy, they're still doing stuff there. So Tom was running into some legal issues. MCA was the one that purchased his original contract from ABC Records, so he thought that his record contract deal would be null and void. So MCA said, no, that's not the case. We're going to sue you, Tom. And Tom said, okay, fine, I'll just declare bankruptcy. Tom said, okay. They said, fine, we'll put you on a little-known record label of ours, a subsidiary called Backstreet Records. So the album spent seven weeks at number two, because the number one album of the year right then was The Wall by Pink Floyd. That's right. So Tom Petty had a little trouble with uh, Pink Floyd and that that album for obvious reasons. That was a massive album, yeah. I guess I I saw... um, documentary produced by Dave Grohl, you know, the drummer from Nirvana, who's had such a great yeah. career. Apparently, that uh, most of those tracks were done live. It was challenging to them, but but they came out of it okay, and that album is just fantastic. Oh, yeah, Straight absolutely. Rock and roll. Pretenders came out with their self-titled album that year. You know, they lost a couple of band members along the way afterwards, and uh, due to cocaine or just drug use, or they were just so young. It's just so, so sad to see what happened to the Pretenders. But then Chrissy Hine did okay as a, a solo she artist. Did. She did, absolutely. the group and everything. And he wound up being a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. Uh, Elton John's 21 at 33. That's an interesting title. 21 releases between compilations and live albums and, and some studio stuff. And he was only 33 years old by then. He put out Little Genie, several of the cuts from the next album, The Fox, that were on that album were actually recorded in 1979 for the 1980, 21 at 33. Billy Joel's Glass Houses. What do you think of uh, Glass Houses? Tremendous record. Wow. Won him a Grammy for Best Rock Performance. Phil Ramone. That's right. Famous producer. Produced that one. Here's a list of some of the people that Phil Ramone has worked for. He's produced for Olivia, Madonna, Aretha, Guess Who, Sinatra, The Band, Ray Charles. And he actually uh, did uh, the first uh, non- uh, James William Garcia records for Chicago. Chicago. That's right. He still found time to produce Billy Joel's Glass Houses, and one of his claim to fames early on was he was the one, apparently, it is said, that recorded the famous sultry Happy Birthday, Mr. President, that Marilyn Monroe sang to President Kennedy for his 45th birthday at Madison Square Garden in 1962. He recorded that... And uh, that was one of the last times you would see Marilyn Monroe alive. She That's right. She died just a month later. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, that actually was taking place at Madison Square Garden for a, def- a Democratic Party fundraiser. So that was the whole idea of that show. And sure enough, Phil Ramone was right in the middle of that. Wow. Uh, Back in Black, ACDC. One of those bands I put in the screechy category. Absolutely. I can't listen to them all day long because no. they give me a headache. Uh, Aerosmith like that sometimes, except for Beth. Uh, Guns N' Roses, although I've come around on them. Certain artists, just the Scorpions, just kind of rub me the wrong way. I just can't listen to their music all the time. And I like ACDC, Highway to Hell, Money Talks, Who Made Who. Well, it seems to me that uh, with a band like ACDC, everything's always maximum, maximum, maximum. So I think that's where that comes from. The thunder from down under. Absolutely. Can't say that about Springsteen. The River came out that year. What an album. Oh, my goodness. Did you see him in concert right around that time? I did, and it was one of the greatest concerts I've ever seen. He was touring behind the river, but he was doing all the first five albums. And, boy, what a what a show he put on. No opening act, just him. No, no. It was about three and a half hours of him. I don't think he needed an opening act. <laughs> the Police and Yana Mudana. We were talking about how their previous album... You know, they were still finding their way, and this album was really, really good. One of my favorites of theirs. Uh, yep, absolutely. And uh, When the World is Running Down to Make the Best of What's Still Around, that's another great one off there. And uh, uh, Don't Stand So Close to Me. Stuart Copeland said that was um, more or less, more or less, an autobiography from his teaching days, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> John Lennon came out with Double Fantasy late that year. Mm-hmm. Man, what are you... John Lennon, what a sad story that was with his, his tragic assassination in December 1980. Talk about where you... You know where you were. And oh, absolutely. It was just unbelievable. Unbelievable. So many of us found out about it through Monday Night Football. That's right. But Double Fantasy was a really good album. Woman... Watching the Wheels, still one of my favorite songs of all time, which I'm Absolutely. glad they still play, because there are a lot of songs that you wish they wouldn't play again, like Beast of Burden or Fat Bottom Girls. Right. But I can listen to Watching the Wheels or Starting Over all day long. Mm-hmm. The stuff from Yoko, not so much. Not so much. The Stones, Emotional Rescue, That's good right. album. Good album. Pete Townsend, we talked about Empty Glass, Al Stewart's 24 Carats. The C was crossed out and they put in P for some reason. Also produced by um, Helen Parsons who also had a great album that year, called Turn of a Friendly Card. Yeah. Good album. Steve Winwood, Ark of a Diver. He had been around forever. Mm-hmm. Blind Faith, Spencer Davis, Traffic, did his own thing. Journey's uh, Departure, not a great album, but it did still feature Any Way You Want It and Walks Like a Lady, which I thought was a cool little soulful tune. Right. Jackson Brown's Holdout, Stevie Wonder, Hotter Than July, Rush, Permanent Waves, Dire Straits, Making Movies, Ozzy Osbourne, The Blizzard of Oz. Wow. So I don't know if that was his first solo effort. I don't know when I'm not sure. Black Sabbath retired. They, I don't know. Maybe Ozzy doesn't know. That's that's true. I, I don't know. Doesn't. Maybe it was. I, I liked some of the, the stuff he's done. Uh, some songs you still can't get away from, especially and that's if it's in a ball game or something. Right. Crazy Train. Yes, absolutely. Breakout artists that year, Air Supply, the English-Australian soft rock duo with Russell Hitchcock and Graham Russell, Here I Am, and All Out of Love, and Lost in Love, and Everything mm-hmm. Love, wasn't it? That's right. 38 Special, one of your favorites. Absolutely. Jeez. Jacksonville, Florida. Donnie Van Zandt, brother of Ronnie. 
started playing in his teens. They developed that southern rock sound for the band of the platinum album, Wild-Eyed Southern Boys Platinum Album. Hold on loosely. Caught up in you then and Teacher Teacher. They toured with Huey Lewis and Bon Jovi at the beginning of each of their careers. So yeah, kind of oh, yeah. helped help things along. Christopher Cross, the four-time Grammy winner. Four times. That was unheard of at the time. And exactly. Probably still is today. Best New Artist, Record of the Year, Song of the Year for Sailing, and Album of the Year. He hit all the major categories that and, year. Yep, soft rock, a yacht rock favorite. Still followed it up with Arthur's theme a year later and uh, a couple of years after that. He, he's done some stuff over the years. Uh, still doing his thing mainly in his home state of Texas. But um, he he's still in concert. I saw him on one of those CBS Sunday morning shows. Oh, okay. He still got it. So Christopher Cross, still one of my favorite artists. Uh, if you know, I wish he had done more, but what he did was good. The Pretenders, the Hall of Fame inductee. From 05, Chrissy Hine, Pete Farndon, James Honeyman Scott, Martin Chambers. Scott and Farndon both died in their early 20s. It was just so sad to, to see what happened to that yeah, band. Yeah, absolutely. Survivor, the Chicago power pop group. Eye, in the, Eye of the Tiger. Eye of the Tiger. You know, number one for six weeks. It won Grammy Awards. It won, well, it was nominated for an Academy Award. They had High on You, The Search is Over. Burning Hearts from Rocky Four, you know, good tunes, but you know, kind of good ear candy. Right, exactly. Nothing, nothing major. Irene Cara for uh, Flame and Flash Dance. What a feeling, you know. Uh, songs that still drive me crazy. <laughs> Queen, Fat Bottom Girls, oh. double sided hit with Bicycle Race. Don't get me started. Blah. Devo and Whip It. Oh, all right. I never got with Devo. I don't understand why this band from Akron had red pots on their head. I don't know what the whole thing was about. Still don't. And nobody does. And, and whenever anybody wants to say that they were into, uh, you know, new wave or, or punk, they go whip it. You know, it's like no, no not even close. Now, B-52s, that's a different story. Private Idaho, right. Rock Lobster. Mm-hmm. Uh, our radio station, we uh, developed the Rock Lobsters as our mascot, kind of like the buzzard at MMS here in Cleveland. Uh, they still use Rock Lobsters as their mascot to this day. Really? But that's some good party rock and roll tune. Oh, absolutely. To in a bar or whatever. So B-52s, yes. Devo, no. Not so much. Nothing from Devo. Sorry, don't like it. And Fat Bottom Girls, if I never hear that song again, it'll still be too soon. Absolutely. Featured artists this time around, Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. Detroit Rockers, hard-working band, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2004, Songwriters Hall of Fame, which is an important honor as well, 2012. Ramblin' Gamblin' Man, they were known as at the time as the Bob Seger System. That's right. I did not put the two together for so long, for some reason. I was not a big Bob Seger fan as the years pro- progressed through the 70s. I certainly became one with Night Moves, Live Bullet, then Stranger in Town. But right. what did you think of Bob Seger's early stuff? Well, I actually liked it because it's basically what made up the first live album, uh, Live Bullet album, which at the time, uh, back in about 1975, I think it was, uh, was the first time we'd heard from him. 
on a on a major scale outside of Detroit. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that album was recorded live at Cobo Hall there. Right, and it's one album where I would say uh, one of the greatest live albums I've ever heard. Uh, and you can tell that there are times in that album where he's singing for his life. He is. He means every word of it. He, especially on uh, songs like "Turn the Page," you can feel it. You can hear a man who is desperate to make it. In the early '70s, I don't know if they put out anything. I do remember them vaguely, but he worked yeah. with them early, early on in the '70s. Okay. Then put together his Silver Bullet Band in 1974. Drew Abbott and Charlie Allen Martin, Chris Campbell, Alto Reed. Then came the hit album "Beautiful Loser" in 1975. Katmandu, Traveling Man, and Title Cut. Nutbush City Limits, written by Ike and Tina Turner. Ike and Turner, yeah. Bob wrote everything else. Uh, also um, co-produced by Bob Seeker and uh, prominently featured members of the famed Muscle Shoals Rhythm Section for Beautiful Loser. And then uh, that marked his return to Capitol Records after a few years away. We'll talk about the Muscle Shoals group in just a minute, but Night Moves followed that up. Um, you know, Live Bullet was released in... April of 76, but Night Moves uh, solidified his career, didn't it? Oh, what an album. I talk, talk about a follow-up. Uh, and that's, that's kind of uh, a real surprise because he hadn't had a great record like that before. Stranger in Town, May of 1978. That's the first time I bought a Bob Seger album. I hadn't yet okay. purchased Night Moves, but I heard it. How could you not? Yeah, absolutely. In the 1977, but in 78, I said, I'm buying this album. And that was one of those that I brought down with me, along with Boston and the Cars and Al Stewart uh, to college with me. The 10th studio album already of his was Stranger in Town. Exactly. Still the same. Hollywood Nights. Every cut on that album is great. Against the Wind, then in February 1980, good follow-up. Number two, just behind the wall, like we spoke about That's before. Right. It did claim the top spot and would stay there for six weeks, so it had its own time. But for this album, Bill Simchick was added to a list of co-producers. He, co- he produced the song Against the Wind, which has one of the greatest covers of all time. And not a cover mm-hmm. song, but just a plain album cover was beautiful. Fire Lake was on that uh, song, originally planned for the album Beautiful Loser. But it wasn't finished yet, so they had backing vocals by Glenn Fry, who was a buddy of his from Detroit from yeah, years absolutely. ago. Don Henley, Timothy B. Schmidt. You Accompany Me, which was an okay song. The B-side, though, I liked. A rocker called Betty Lou's Getting Out Tonight, mm-hmm. hit number 14. So that was a good two-sided hit. Horizontal Bop and Her Strut didn't do very well. I mean, at number 42, another double-sided release. Nine Tonight came out in uh, 1981. That was a live album performed again at Cobo Hall and also at the Boston Gardens. Um, pretty good album, the live album. He was great in concert, isn't he? It is fantastic. The Distance in 1982 peaked at number five. I like that album. It's just getting started in my radio career. Mm-hmm. And great tunes on the shame on the moon roll me away even now oh yeah good good rock and roll bob seger's still one of my favorites and shows no sign of slowing down even no. though the pitfalls sometimes of stardom would carry you in a different direction bob seger was still going strong with that voice into yeah. the 80s wasn't he yeah, absolutely absolutely so bob wrote music for films teacher that's right and understanding those two songs in the 86 uh, chevy truck campaign like a rock of course they probably still use that if if they could i maybe they could but it's been 33 years i think they had that like a rock campaign for at least a decade yeah exactly more studio albums one produced in 2017 even 
a couple of live albums, a bunch of compilation stuff, uh, music for movies. He's great in concert. My top five albums, I, I mean, they're just for me, but Stranger in Town, Live Bullet, The Distance, Against the Wind, Night Moves, I'm sure that those are all in there in one way or another for you as well. Absolutely. You, you, you hit them, uh, especially that first live album. Uh, it's such a treat to listen to. And the, the Muscle Shoals rhythm section, before we close, I just want to touch on them for a minute or two. Later nicknamed the Swampers, they were actually featured in the song Sweet Home Alabama. Muscle Shoals has the Swampers. Remember that part? They worked with Bob Dylan, Paul Simon, Leon Russell, Leonard Skinner, Aretha Franklin, The Stones for songs like Brown Sugar and Wild Horses. Founding members of the Swampers, Roger Hawkins, played drums. Played with uh, Percy Sledge, When a Man Loves a Woman, Aretha's Respect, and Chain of Fools. You kind of get the message here. Of course, Bob Seger, Paul Simon's Kodachrome, and Loves Me Like a Rock from 1973. Barry Beckett co-produced Smoke from a Distant Fire for fellow Alabamans Ed Sanford and Johnny Townsend. He played keyboards and played with everybody. Dire Straits, Allman Brothers, Rod Stewart, Boss Skaggs. He was uh, briefly a member of Traffic in the early 70s. David Hood on bass co-founded the Muscle Shoals Sound Studio. He played with all the above-mentioned artists, but also with Art Garfunkel and his solo work and Julian Lennon. Remember the album Velat, 1975? Absolutely. And Jimmy Johnson, who played guitar and engineered three tracks of the Sticky Fingers album by The Stones. He played with, well, hundreds of artists and some of the best hits of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. The Muscle Shoals rhythm section, they added such depth and R&B muscle to some of the greatest songs and some of the best recording artists of all time. Frankie, thanks so much for joining me. Well, thanks for having me. Next up, we'll dive into the year 1981. That will be our last year of the 80s that we spotlight. Elton John will be our featured artist, although he had kind of a off year in 1981. He still had time to put out that album, The Fox, which was, I thought, outstanding, even though it didn't sell too well. But I'll tell you what is my favorite cut on that album, and one of Elton John's all-time favorite songs appears on that album as well. Also, Hall of Fame inductees 2008, including the OJs and the Pretenders. That's all next time around. Thanks for joining me. Tim Friedman, 70s Rock Conversations. See you next time.